If we want to onboard the entire world to Bitcoin, then we need to make it much easier and more compelling for the average person. Now, people like Will Reeves at Fold are doing that by offering very simple reward programs that pay you in sats for the spending and activity that you already do. Arguably, this is a much easier way to get someone interested in Bitcoin than trying to convince them or explain to them how to buy it in the first case. We talked about this, about the Bitcoin cycles, about why they're Bitcoin only, and about their big move to El Salvador. You guys don't want to miss this. That's dope. That's dope. Obviously, I think the best place to start is for you to give us a bit of context, tell us what Fold is, why you created it, and where it currently stands. Yeah, Fold has been uh, my journey for the past couple years. And in that, the world of Bitcoin and the world around it has totally changed. So it's been a it's been a fun ride to see the it through the lens of Fold. And so like, you know, our initial kind of problem we were trying to solve is that, uh, you know, Bitcoin was this new form of money that uh, we found it hard for people to grasp both in what type of value can it bring to their life? Why should I have Bitcoin? Um, what can it do for me? Uh, should I use it to transact? Should I use it to save? Should I use it to bond with my you know, son who bought some and that's all he talks about now? And uh, the major thing that we saw from the uh, blocking Bitcoin's adoption was from the early adopters who tend to be uh, coming at it from a either economic, technical, political, um, or just being young in, in, you know, on Reddit threads lens. What about everybody else who maybe has full lives and don't, don't have that? And so we looked at full, how can full be a vehicle to onboard everyone else, give everyone the ability to acquire Bitcoin, learn about Bitcoin, and how do we remove all the traditional barriers to, to acquiring it? Let's remove the need for understanding totally about what wallets are. Let's remove the ability for understanding it from an economic or political lens. Uh, let's turn it into something fun, a reward that anybody can, can, can earn and start to accumulate. And so we looked at different ways of doing that. And rewards was the obvious choice, you know, over 90% of Americans participate in loyalty programs already. We're already earning rewards. And what better way to earn free Bitcoin uh, than this? And so it really allowed us to uh, speak to brand new customers and people that Bitcoin, the community of Bitcoin really wasn't totally about. And so Fold to this day is really about hardcore people who understand it and who just want more. Uh, but also, I think one of the more important things that we do is be on the kind of cutting edge of introducing new people, new audiences to Bitcoin to have them start their journey. So you've been doing this for a couple of years and your initial premise was to abstract away all of the difficulty that we know is inherent with getting someone to do that first transaction, to open that first wallet, to finally engage with the asset. Do you think that those things, those barriers have disappeared here still in 2023? Or do you think that we still years later have those same problems? It is, it's a complicated thing. In some ways, absolutely. In some ways, there have never been, you know, better uh, options for uh, holding your Bitcoin with self-custody. There's never been better options for where to get your Bitcoin. Um, and in some respects, the all the efforts to make it easier has also led to problems. And this has been a, uh, really born out in the last year. You know, 
how can we make Bitcoin as easy to buy and not have to think about it at all? Well, that's kind of how we get into these custodial platforms who say, hey, don't worry about it. You don't need to know, learn about keys. You don't need to learn about anything. This just will take care of you. Uh, and we know how that story's ended with FTX, with Voyager, with BlockFi, with all of these that purport to give value of Bitcoin in the you know in the day to day, and also say, hey, let's make it easy. It comes with trade offs. And so, uh, what we've learned more than anything is, for all the gains we've made, we've also learned that there are hard lessons about making Bitcoin too easy for some extent. And so, for Fold, what we try to do is is manage that journey for our users and allow them when they're ready to figure out, okay, I've earned it. Now I want to do more. Well, where can you go buy Bitcoin <clears throat> in a way that is, you know, makes sense, low fees, um, is safe, uh, is going to help educate you? Well, here's different ways you can do that. How about storing it? Then we have that conversation. We really have to be involved at every step of the way after, or else, as we know, you know, you go type in Bitcoin wallet in the app, store and you get a lot of choices that you wouldn't want your parents storing their Bitcoin with. Yeah, it's to me, it's I won't say it's discouraging because these things take a long time, but it really does not seem like we've advanced that far. But I think it's just a very complex balance between being your own bank and making that a comfortable sort of idea for your average person. So talk about the steps, I guess, of going through Fold if you're a new user. I want to do this. I've never bought Bitcoin before. I want to set up a Fold account. How do I custody it? Where does it go? Give the whole story. So you have your your friend raving about Bitcoin. You're like, hey, it's a bear market. Bitcoin, look at Bitcoin's price chart. It was 60,000. Now it's 20,000. Friend, I'm stopping listening to my, you know, your raving and ramblings. And then your friend says, well, what if there was a way that you didn't have to buy Bitcoin, but you could just earn it passively, start to learn about it in that way. And that's enters Fold. And so you would go to the app store, you download Fold. First thing you do is you see that, hey, I, I shop at Amazon, I shop at Uber, um, I shop at Starbucks, you name it. I can earn Bitcoin for every purchase I make there. And so you would link a, a credit card or debit card, add that to the app, go about your regular shopping, you start to accrue Bitcoin for doing so. Sometimes, you know, up to 20% back, it can, get, it can get pretty crazy. You know, we've had people who have, bought golf new sets of golf clubs and bitcoin's price has appreciated so much that the rewards they earned on those golf clubs are worth more than the actual amount that they used to purchase them so really crazy things can start happening so you've earned it on your 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 merchant offers you're feeling good and now you want to say hey i want to earn on everything i want to earn it on not only my grocery shopping but i also want to earn on my bills i want to earn my mortgage i want to earn it on my rent and that's when you upgrade to the fold card and that will give you one percent flat on everything you do you can get one percent you can lower your mortgage rate by one percent you can get one percent back on your groceries you know you name it and this allows you to have 360 degree stacking experience in all your spending it's going to really accelerate that so now you wait a couple of months and you look up your accounts and you've seen oh my i have millions of satoshis i've earned that's now starting to get to be kind of a lot now what do i what do i do with that i can't just have you know five thousand dollars on uh on on an app on a rewards app what do i do so you can go to withdraw and from there we're going to help educate you on places to withdraw that bitcoin so places that we feel that our users have loved used trust to do that and from there you can uh, uh, withdraw directly with zero fees right to your wallet in whichever way makes most sense for you. And suddenly now you are now going from someone who said, 
hey, friend, I don't want to buy Bitcoin, but I'll earn it for free to now you are custodying your own Bitcoin uh, with your own solution. And then from there, you might say, hey, how do I buy more Bitcoin? How do I get more? Well, Fold, you can uh, just go to the next Bitcoin tab and Fold. You can start buying Bitcoin, DCA, Smash Buy. And from there, it starts to accelerate. But uh, we really aim to meet people at the very top of the funnel. The first, like, what is Bitcoin? Why do I want it? If you're there, Fold is for you. And we'll bring you all the way down the funnel to, you know, being your own bank for to some extent. And we'll, we'll try to keep you as safe and um and having fun, as much as fun along the way. Your custodian is trying to get everybody to not have you be their custodian. <laughs> it's, exact, it's exactly right. And this is a lesson that we, you know, we, you know, at the very beginning, from a very practical level of running a Bitcoin company, um, there's two things. Wow, Bitcoin is different than fiat because whoever holds the keys holds the responsibility. And for, to some people say, hey, well, I can do a lot of cool things with this Bitcoin. I can make a lot of money off that if I hold the keys. So you get the BlockFi's, the Voyagers, the FTX. They can, they can take that Bitcoin and do other things with it. Uh, and they generate revenue off of it. And then there's the other camp that says, wow, if we hold the keys, essentially, we're just a honeypot for holding the responsibility for everyone else's Bitcoin. That brings on brand risk. Uh, that brings on overhead. That brings on you know, high security requirements. What if we just don't need to deal with that? And what if our whole premise is to withdraw it as soon as possible? And so these different companies, and you're seeing some of it now, make this very basic decision of which pathway to go. And, um, you know, we clearly chose one way. Other companies have chosen the way that we've gone and say, hey, we want to hold as little of your Bitcoin as possible. All we want to do is be the place where you earn it and buy it. From there, we're going to help you get it off. And then other companies made a choice to say, hey, what can we do with it? And how can we make money off of it? And many of those are not around today. And that's just a, it's a, it's a, it's been a scary last year of lessons to be learned. I hope that we've stopped learning those lessons, but I don't have such high confidence oh, that we won't oh say no, these Scott. things again. <laughs> oh no, Scott, they're coming around. It's a cycle. I, I already see some of the actors who are complicit in it starting new things. So, and with, with pretty wide support. So I, I would not be surprised to see it all happen again. And I guess we just hope that more people learn in each cycle and that the, you know, yep. we kind of advance the ball, but you're never going to stop. I think uh, humans from being greedy and humans being humans, right? That's it. And it shouldn't really be our job. You know, part about Bitcoin is, is necessary about free markets, but the, the thing that's been missing in the conversation is while both may talk, you know, the keyword was yields over the last couple of years, 8% yield on your Bitcoin, you know, versus, hey, I'm not going to get anything if I just withdraw it of my wallet. So that was the ROI calculation people made. But the, there was a hidden variable in that calculation, which is the risk of you giving the keys of your Bitcoin. And if that was risk adjusted, that 8% would be pulled down into a negative number. And that was just Act, you know, actively hidden. And so I think you're exactly right. It's just, we need, unfortunately, it's going to take a couple more cycles of people to get this. And at the end of the day, it won't go away. Ideally, it's just more, the consumers and people are just more educated about the true risk profile of that. And if they want to engage, great for them. They've, they've at least made a, a calculation with their, you know, minds and eyes open. But that just wasn't the case, unfortunately, for thousands of people um, over the last cycle. 
Yeah, and it should be clear that this is not unique to Bitcoin or the cryptocurrency market. I mean, these things have been happening with markets since the beginning of beginning of time. I hate it when people sort of point directly at us and say that this was a crypto problem or that this was a Bitcoin problem. It's just a human greed and that that hunt for free, 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 free lunch. Really, right? I mean, it, that's all it's it was. Exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. You know, just look at the last bank crisis that just recently happened. Many people tried to put that on Bitcoin, but the true thing was just a horrible risk calculation, putting it into what is considered a riskless thing like short-term, long-term treasuries. And that's what broke broke this whole thing down. And so you're exactly you, right. Yeah. And your average person though is still not going to go to their bank and ask them what they're doing with their money and understand it. Right. So these are yep. just there's some risk that your average person doesn't know they're taking. And that will always be the case, I think. I want to dig a little more in unfold though, because you've given away how much money have you given away in Bitcoin? How many Satoshis, how many Bitcoin have you given away since you started? Let me first start there. Yeah, let's, I mean, Roughly. I, I think in, I think in dollar values, it's uh, close, coming close to 30 million over the time, you know, adjusted for the amount of, you know, Bitcoin's price. But, you know, we've given away 54, 55 billion Satoshis for our users. Okay, um, so that's an absurd amount. Where does that come from? So how do you do that? What's the uh, business model? So uh, we try to create a business model that's aligned with our users. It's a very simple thing. We want we want to stack sets every time our users stack sets. Every time our users buy Bitcoin, we want to earn Bitcoin. And so just try to keep that aligned so that all we're doing is aligned for people to stack more and more. And so uh, how that works on our platform today is when you take advantage of a merchant offer, say it's getting 2.5% back at Amazon or 10% back at DoorDash, we are sharing part of that reward. So DoorDash may say, hey, we're going to give you 12% back uh, for every time a user takes uh, advantage of this in your platform. So you're an affiliate. You're an affiliate. Uh, fundamentally, at that point, you're an affiliate. You're driving traffic to these vendors and they're paying you a percentage of the transaction. That's how you guys make your money. Yeah. So we'll make these deals with these merchants and we'll just come to a, an agreement there. It's primarily affiliate model on our debit card. Every time you swipe a debit card or a credit card, uh, we get paid. Uh, from what's called an interchange fee. It's the merchants paying us for bringing a customer to you. And then we split that with our users and Bitcoin. We take some and give the lion's share away to our user base. So simple. So for you, it's just a matter of going out and making more deals and getting more people on the platform. It's a simple numbers game. You know, we're betting on being at the forefront of Bitcoin adoption and that we expect to that growth curve to continue to, you know, be at the angle it has always it has been traditionally and if we're able to do that and provide a good product we get to ride that wave the more users that come on board spend the more money the more successful fold becomes so on the app side i would imagine maybe with the crypto winter and bear markets and market cycles you would see sort of an uptick and downtick in signups mm -hmm. Do you see with the card, is it much harder to sustain people when we get into these bear markets, these cycles of apathy, or do you still see people consistently signing up? Because obviously there's major competition for you. Does someone want their reward 1% Bitcoin, or do they want to go to a card that gives them 3% on their travel or 1% on gas, whatever's important to them? Yes, exactly right. You know, uh, Historically, uh, rewards card programs are one of the most highly competitive segments out there. Um, it's only a close second to insurance and things like this that is that's very competitive. And so for us, 
we definitely see correlation with the Bitcoin bear and bull cycles. And what we see is on bull cycles, we see a huge influx in new users coming in. And that is a major tailwind for us. And um, it's very exciting. It's always, hey, build in the bear markets to get ready for the activity that happens in the bull markets. But there's an interesting that happens when it goes into bear markets like we're at now, where that tailwind of new users starts to starts to slow a little bit, just down to normal levels, still growing very strong as a, as uh, in terms of new cardholders and new account signups. But the more interesting thing is that our existing user base who already had the card use it even more. And part of it is two things. Number one is that they're understanding the value of Bitcoin because they got to see what happened to the rewards at, at bull markets. And they understand, wow, one Satoshi may be worth this today, but wow, I just saw what it could be worth tomorrow. And it, it creates this kind of cycle of people having a lower time preference about understanding how Bitcoin works in the bulls and bears. And so we actually see card spend per user increase in bear markets. That's interesting. Not what I would have expected, but it does make sense if people are Bitcoin native and passionate and understand, obviously, dollar cost averaging. Of course, you want to, if you're going to set it and forget it, the best purchases you're going to make are at the depths of the bear market. That's exactly right. right. But yep. this is you saying that people are actively actually seeing an uptick in their activity, which I find really, really interesting. I'm not surprised that you don't see yeah. quite as many signups, do, but yeah. I am surprised that you don't see people abandon it because yeah. uh, everything else in crypto or in Bitcoin, you see people abandoning it. Like yeah. Exchange volumes, users on exchange, signups, all of that goes down. Yes. And you'll see, you know, part of that is obviously the signups. We know that's industry wide, but there's a different psychology related when you're getting something technically for free versus oh, I have to buy and that will fall off like a cliff. Now, um, with us, why we see it even more is that um, loyalty and rewards are very sticky products. So you start direct, you try, you change your direct deposit, you start getting used to taking this advantage that it offers, and it creates just a muscle. But we've also done things on the app um, that we're also known for. We're not just known for kind of giving you a different type of reward, Bitcoin, but we're also known for giving you a type, different type of rewards experience that is meant to be very engaging and get you there. So there's gamification behind it. Every dollar you spend on the app, you get to be entered into a spin. And the spin could win you up to a full Bitcoin. It could be a big prize, 100,000 Satoshis. It could be 10 sats. It's wildly different. But these types of gamification and loyalty incentives keep people uh, very much engaged with the product, even in bear markets. And so it was important when we created this is to have both of that. It's both Bitcoin rewards, but it's also a new approach to the experience of earning rewards. Because just as we said, if we're trying to uh, attract the highest, you know, uh, newest users to, to Bitcoin, uh, they're also going to be the flakiest to some extent. They will be the ones who say, hey, I only had a year of this and I just got burned. So what we do with changing the experience about earning rewards is to keep those people engaged, interested, and bought in. Yeah, I think that's why I'm so surprised because it's easy to talk about the people who understand and they see their sats go crazy after the bear market and into the bull cycle and they've paid for their golf clubs three times over and those stories. But we all know that most people who buy Bitcoin do it at cycle highs, right? Yes. It's when the retail FOMO kicks in. Most people who probably hate Bitcoin right now bought between 50 and 70,000 and think even though they have not sold it, they've lost everything, right? <laughs> because 
you know how the attitude of retail is and they effectively yep. hate it. I personally, yep. I believe they'll hate it until they'll sell it at the bottom and then they'll buy it again above 70,000 yes. because that's what people do. But so how do you fight that sort of sentiment? Because you said you get this massive tailwind of people signing up on the way up, but those people are underwater. Yes. Um, so with that, a couple things. So number one, number one, we've known this was a, a case because we've we've been operating enough Bitcoin cycles to know that hey, that's a reality. We're gonna have to deal with at least half the time, probably more. And this is why we tried to make the actual experience of using the card very fun and rewarding in and of itself. And, you know, we use a lot of mechanics that we've learned from Duolingo and things like this to keep people doing something and engage of the long term in building. We do a lot about education about hey, the, it's the bear cycle. This is the best time to be earning free Bitcoin. Look at these user stories that we've seen. So a lot of education around that. We do a lot of social things. So um, people are stickier and continue to do things if they're doing it in a community context. And so if they're doing it with their friends, family, and children, uh, they are more likely to stick around. And so Fold has social at, social mechanics in there that try to bring a community experience to using the card. Um and then I'd say the other one is we, we do interesting things like you won't see, you really don't see Bitcoin on the around the app too much. Uh, you see Satoshis. So um, and there is a true unit, true unit bias happening when you earn something and I earn 10,000 Satoshis because um, even in a bear market, 10,000 just seems like a big number. And so even for people who are not like constantly calculating the the market you know, uh, value of their rewards 10,000 seems like a big number and honestly you go look at who we're playing against you might get 10,000 air miles and they they use the same unit bias things as this or you make it 50,000 points as a sign up those are all made up things yeah. so fold we can play the same That's game but we're actually going to give you some real value and so definitely the unit bias and focus on satoshis has been a very important strategic decision that we made I never thought about that, to be honest. I mean, the miles thing obviously makes sense when you talk about it, but I never thought about the fact that you're not like getting a one thousandth of a flight. Yes. Because if they said that, people would never be encouraged to keep saving and using it to get a flight. But yours is an actual unit of account, right? So so it is a little bit different and a little bit more compelling. And it sort of leads to the conversation about whether we should just be talking in Satoshis instead of Bitcoin in general. I think there's still, even after all these cycles, a mainstream sentiment that I can't afford one Bitcoin, so I'm not interested. Yeah. I, I, I'm i fully, I mean, you know, we've made big bets on talking about Satoshis only. Um, and I think, uh, I don't, I actually don't think, I think it won't take that much from, I think it's the, a, a couple other Bitcoin companies uh, that are that offer this making this decision that could change that conversation away from talking about in terms of one Bitcoin. Um, and, uh, you know, it would be huge if Cash App made this decision that you could fully turn your denomination into Satoshis. Uh, that could really help us change. And I really think that's a it's a it's a it's a realistic thing for us. It takes a little bit of other companies going in on this direction. Um, but I think talking in bits and sats is makes makes perfect sense, uh, would help combat unit bias and um, would set us up for not only more successful bull runs, uh, because it would make things feel more within reach. Even when you're at 70,000, you can't say 70,000 Bitcoin now. You could say, well, you can buy $70. Uh, but it also helps retain you over the 
the bear markets too. I think it's just a general good thing that I, I personally would like to see more. And I t- try to get other founders and other products to do this all the time. You mentioned getting Cash App to talk in sats, but so it made me think obviously that over the last cycle, we saw these huge, huge news events, PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, Square, you know, all these people allowing Bitcoin purchases, adding withdrawals eventually, I think, which was somewhat huge. But yet we're still seeing once again, historically low volumes and interest at the depth of this cycle. Maybe I was too optimistic in the last market. We all, I think, probably are during a bull market. But I thought with all of that sort of mainstream availability that actually things would be a little bit different this time. Yeah, I mean... If we really want to like look at the last bull market, only really Cash App was well positioned to participate in that. These these are all like the PayPal's and the Venmo's. These are all kind of at the tail end of it, and or built during where arguably kind of sideways movement bear cycles were happening. And so this is going to be a perfect example of get shit done in the bear market in the bear markets to get ready for the bull markets. And I think Scott, in the next cycle, when we do see uh, Bitcoin in, enter the bull again, uh, we will absolutely see what you I think we're hypothesizing would happen will happen. It just happened at an awkward time in that cycle where it wasn't able to do it. And most people already had made their decision where they buying where they were buying Bitcoin from. This was a new thing, but they already said I'm doing it on Coinbase and then they all got burned because the market turned and uh, you know, we know the rest of the story, but I, I think the mass availability of it uh, being available in the next bull market will have a serious impact. Right. It's not like we've seen them pull back. Right. Exactly, so exactly so right. The, 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 the very fact that they're still committed to sort of that side of the product and it's just sitting there waiting for the interest to flow back in. Yep. That's exactly right. And you know, there are other benefits you talk to, you know, I've spoken to teams at cash at, at, PayPal. And uh, there's weird things that that you see when you offer Bitcoin besides just do people buy it. Um, uh, the price action of Bitcoin becomes a thing of focus itself. They say they see daily active users go up, even if they're not necessarily buying Bitcoin, they are maybe tracking it. Um, and so you see a lot more app opens, which opens up for new areas of engagement. You also see a lot more referrals. Um, people who are bought into Bitcoin and um, uh, are are loyal in the in the bear markets. They are sources of growth for their for their products. And so there's other ancillary benefits that these companies get. And I think we're we're probably surprised at when they first saw them when they thought, hey, we're just going to add more volume to the platform. But really, they I think they see all these other metrics start to tick up in the right ways as well. I'm going to assume that the answer here is obvious. But are you committed to remaining Bitcoin only? Yeah, you know, we uh, made we you know we made a decision a long time ago to do this, and there's to some extent, you know, everybody should make and operate their business. You know, I have shareholders, I have I have customers to attend to, uh, so I have to always make the decision based on the information I have at hand and um, where I think will be best for the business, my team, and our customers. And really, that decision of being remaining Bitcoin only has not changed. Uh, Part of the reason why it really works for us as well is we're a awards company. We are talking about the top of the funnel. Bitcoin is the Coca-Cola of brands. It is the of 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 digital currencies. It is the trusted. That's when you think about it. That's the first one people will think of is hey, 
have you heard about this thing called cryptocurrency? Yes, I've heard about Bitcoin. Now, there's some others that would start to maybe enter that list, but we've seen with them very fleeting. I can't put our trust behind any of them at this point. And so Bitcoin does the job that we need. It is the one brand that is gets all eyes on us. And you know, there's something to be said. Uh, there were other Bitcoin, uh, there are other crypto rewards cards out there. And some of them offered other cryptocurrencies, but there's a reason why 95% of the rewards they paid out were was in Bitcoin. People want, people just want Bitcoin, even if they have a choice. And then the other, the other example is, save for a few exceptions, there isn't any Ethereum only rewards card out there, or there's actually one Doge one out there that is that is that, and that's a, kind of a the origin of that company is a whole different conversation, but. Um, Never even heard of it. Yeah, there's just not there's just not that, and so you ask why. Well, the market's telling you something in that case, and it's just from the data that we've seen. And we've asked our users, "Tell us what you want added added to uh, fold," and what you'll see is going down the top twenty five. It's it will, you'll see twenty five different requests, the top most requested requests, before you start seeing things like add X Y Z currency to it. You just you just, it's just something we don't hear about. I'm not surprised, actually, and not not because of anything against any of the other assets, but it's always been my impression that the people who generally are concerned with saving, which I think is probably your customer, right? They, they have a low time preference, as you said. They're looking at 10 years, 20 years. They save in Bitcoin, right? And, and I yeah. think that that's probably why they're using it. The rest of it, I think people love to speculate and trade. And you don't yes. want to earn rewards on something that you might want to sell based on price action next month. Correct. Oh, good. It's a good assessment. <laughs> um, so that said, you're obviously counting on another bull market, right? You you have to believe that there's another cycle coming. We keep talking about it as if it's a foregone conclusion. Why do you believe that? I do too, by the way. I think everyone knows that. But yeah, um, well, number one, we not not prior performance, fast performance does not predict future outcomes. <laughs> but uh, at the same but time, we do have the having. <laughs> we we do we do. There are the structural things built into into Bitcoin that are are not uh, things to you know forget about. Um, there's also uh, the idea that you know fundamentally we have seen <clears throat> from my own life and the lives of our users, it's a Bitcoin. It has been a force for good in in their lives. And so I think that Bitcoin still is at the very early adoption phase. I think we have so many more people to introduce it to. And that represents 98% of the addressable market. We've only you know, penetrated 2% of what I think is the, the, the potential um, uh, uh, group of people now. And so with between the predictability of Bitcoin cycles over the last decade, uh, looking at the world and macro events that we're in now, Bitcoin will be needed more now and valued more than ever before. Um, uh, it just being something, a force for good that we believe in and we want to be someone who's actively forwarding that adoption. You know, those th three things keep us around, but also, um, you know, at the same time, uh, we see what is coming to the world of Bitcoin. You know, a lot of people say there's not much building happening in Bitcoin. There's not many things you know, new, but, you know, being a part of a builder and founder community, uh, Bitcoin is at the precipice of many things. Now the tapping into the custody uh, problems, the use case issues, the payments is like everything is about to get into a maturity level that is going to basically load this spring for the next bull market. And, 
you know, now is not the time to lose faith. I mean, for better or for worse, I think that uh, BRC20 and ordinals have somewhat dispelled the nothing's happening on Bitcoin myth. And yeah. I think actually that now, as much as you say, people say that, I think it's, they said that and nobody's saying it as much anymore. Like I said, yeah. for better or for worse, I don't have a passionate opinion on on either one, yeah. um, you know, on, on either side of the Bitcoin, BRC20 and ordinals debate, but it's certainly drawing a lot of attention back to yeah. building on Bitcoin and utilizing that block space and what can be done with the sort of original blockchain. It's such a good reminder that Bitcoin, uh, not just conceptually, but practically is a open and fair market. Now, who, who knows when uh, the if BRC20s and ordinals will be priced out in the future because the monetary premium that Bitcoin block space is meant for is will will eradicate their use case. Maybe. But at the end of the day, it is truly right now a place for incredible projects and experiments that will come to it because of the premium that it brings you know a lot of these people said the reason why we're bringing nfts to bitcoin is because why the hell would i want to own an nft on a blockchain that may disappear tomorrow i want to do it in something that's permanent you know that if you're into nfts and that's what your whole world is that makes a lot of sense to that you'd want to pay a premium to do that now I, how, how long can that market be sustained for? Who knows? We'll see. But at the end of the day, I love to see Bitcoin's free market principles be, be very true, regardless of, you know, you get a lot of emotional sides on both. On both. But uh, Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a permissionless, right? I, I, I laugh when people all of a sudden seem to want to give permission to what can be done with a permissionless blockchain. Whether yes. you like it or not, it is what it is. I mean, if you want a wizard, I guess, go on and wizard, right? Um, but you said that being in the community, you're seeing what's being built. What are some of the most exciting things? You can either give specifics or not, but just conceptually, what are some of the most exciting things that you're seeing being built on Bitcoin? And I guess the second question to that is, are any of them things that haven't already been built on other blockchains? Yeah, so I think um, there's there's two way two kind of categories of this. There's one that is entering you know maturity is that people offering Bitcoin on and off ramps are now not just Bitcoin only companies. This has now fully bled into all of the major uh, institutional uh, mass market mainstream brands. You mentioned a lot of them at the top of this. It will be in every single bank account that the buy, hold, sell, send option will be ubiquitous. And we are seeing the not only just beginnings, but we're like midway through it of Bitcoin being uh, within a couple clicks of every single person who already is banking wherever the hell they're banking. That is that's that alone is uh, is something we we've, we've seen in the early stages but now is a is a is a hard fact that uh, Bitcoin is at is within fingers reach of everybody now. Um, and that starts the journey. The the on-ramp start the journey for everyone. For everything else about all the challenges that come with that about how to custody it Things like that used to be only the domain of very technical people or people who are just trying to secure a you know a a ton of wealth. You know things like uh, multi sig and the abilities that to make that easy and to custody things in a way that's safe are leap making leaps and bounds progress right now in ways that um, you know within a couple years you will see things. Things like non-custodial solutions be very, very simple. Maybe that won't be where people onboard into, but it will not be a hard switch into then uh, getting them into non-custodial options. 
It's still so hard. Yeah. I mean, I use multi-sig obviously and you'd have to like put me on a, cause we're all insane. Right. So you have to put me on a plane and fly around the world just to send my mom 50 bucks in Bitcoin. Right. So, but uh, what else are you seeing outside of the custody space? Yeah. So um, outside of custody, you have things like uh, things that I am really, you know, Bitcoin at the end of its, at the end of the day has always grown at the fringes. We just talked about, Oh shit. It's now, it's now, you know, uh, storming the gates of PayPal, Venmo, you know, Acme Bank, you name it. But Bitcoin historically has always been coming from the edges in as well. And so uh, those use cases, I love to see continue to um, progress. Um, how can Bitcoin empower people uh, with better money, either to save in or to spend in, uh, than, they, than, they, than their fiat options that they have around them? And so things like uh, Fediments, uh, uh, popping up in uh, from companies like Fetty that are that are providing approaches to it, ways to uh, have more ways to transact, hold, and share Bitcoin as a community. I'm very excited that Lightning Network has com- comp- like competition is starting to come to it now about different different ways of imagining how fast scalable payment stacks could be. Things like Arc has been proposed. Uh, it's just going to show that hey, Lightning may not be the the end all, be all, end all solution for everything. It hasn't it's, been yet, I, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, and I'm not even hating. I think these things yeah. just take time. But if you wanted to send a ton of Bitcoin on Lightning, you have a problem. Yeah, and it's and the, you know the good part is that <laughs> and, and, and the UX UI is terrible. Yeah, yeah, Lightning doesn't have to do everything. We always everyone the, the narrative was Lightning was basically the only thing being built that could do it all. But it's right. really not great for it all. So now we get to say is what is Lightning really great for? Permissionless transfer, fast transfer between non-parties that don't trust each other. Great. Fine. We can have other things about that uh, satisfy the other use cases. And we don't have to blanket say Lightning is the be-all end-all solution for everything. It has never been. It's not today. And it doesn't need to be in the future. And so I love competition on layer two scaling. Again, ordinals and such have sort of I think really kicked even the most aggressive <clears throat> maxis in the ass to get it together and make these la- layer two solutions work because block space is really expensive and the blockchain's really slow if you don't have the money to pay for it now. And that is not great if you're trying to send somebody 20 bucks and you're from El Salvador and don't want to pay a fee to do it. That's exactly right. Um, speaking of El Salvador, I think the the mining space and the the theory and you know the early the early con the concept that Bitcoin can incentivize energy production in, in places that were previously economically untenable now is starting to come to fruition. You're seeing projects in Africa that will go set up in you know uh, uh, hydropower or areas where there's not that you couldn't really justify an investment to go create hyd- you know uh, power production in very rural areas. But now when you have the profit incentive behind Bitcoin there to help fund it, kick it off the ground, or at least attract that initial investment, you now can expand power to new people. And so you're seeing that with some very fun projects out in Africa, but also today, uh, today El Salvador's announcement that their uh, volcano mining is real and it's, they've committed 250 million to it. You know, what I didn't you see, see that. that was literally oh, today. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it, yeah. I, I was, yeah, everybody, cause it's, uh, June fifth, so everybody was talking about Binance today. I didn't get past that. <laughs> I think it got, I think it got a little bit buried there because of that. But you know, the thing there is that hey, they would never make that investment in just a pure power generation project if they didn't think they could 
have a profit incentive or a way to sustain it over the time. And Bitcoin is what they believe will do that. And so that that kind of theory that what Bitcoin is now becoming less theory and more practical reality that we get to watch and see come to fruition. I literally can't believe I missed that announcement, but I, I guess I was off the internet for two hours today. Yeah. That'll do it, Scott. That'll do it, Scott. But it's funny because I think there's been a lot of people skeptical of El Salvador saying there was all this excitement two years ago. You know, we all remember the Bitcoin convention in 2021 and the huge announcement. And then within a month of that, it was volcano bonds and circular Bitcoin city and all these things. And then you just kind of didn't hear about it again for a while. That's exactly right. Um, it uh, is very natural on that. You know, it had huge, it came to huge hype. And it came really from a, you know, what was essentially a bottoms up project that was recognized from the top. And then, then from essentially, you know, government decree was, hey, we're going to embark on this project. But the infrastructure, nothing was there. It was always, hey, it's going to come down the way. And so it was more a promise of delivering, you know, on, on delivering future you know, gains and future infrastructure. And anytime you have that in any place, you know, we know how in the United States, how long does it take? to build a new bridge or, or for, forget that. How long does it take to like, you know, fill up the potholes on your street outside? It takes now, never takes you. Exactly. <laughs> now 4,000 exactly. years. <laughs> and so I think to see the pace, you know, knowing that it's in the context of this is a government project that had, it was announced with very little, um, you know, infrastructure behind it to see the gains that it's made. I think if you change the perspective on what you're looking at, it's been, it's been, it will be viewed as more successful. And I think knowing, you know, Fold recently announced that we're uh, uh, opening up our global headquarters in El Salvador. Uh, we've been able to be on the ground and see what's going on there in very big ways. And I'd say a lot of this is yet to be priced in about truly the commitment, not just a headline that El Salvador wanted to get out of the Bitcoin story, but a commitment at a, in a very serious way uh, to seeing this Bitcoin experiment go through. I mean, this is insane just because I wanted to look, which I never do while I'm having a conversation like this. I went to my like news terminal that I use. It's not even there as a trending story. That, and it literally, that's only because yep. there's, you know, it's based on how much something is tweeted or shared, obviously, that makes it trending. But the first 25 stories are different news outlets reporting on US SEC Biden. There you go. Yeah. Completely, Completely buried. buried. Yep. Which is astounding. El Salvador's volcano energy secures 1 billion in commitments for 241 megawatt Bitcoin mine. Absolutely monster story. Yeah. Be the largest Bitcoin operation in, in the in the world. Um, huge story. I saw you in El Salvador right now. No, I'm not, but I will be there. I, be the I, I will be going there. I will be going there uh, frequently now that we've, you know, opening up our office. You know, we are. Uh, going to be hiring local talent. Uh, we will have some of our team members there. We'll be doing projects in Latin America from which El Salvador will be our base of operations. So I you will definitely find me down there. Do you think we're going to see a significant ex expansion into other parts of Central and South America from El Salvador? Or do you think that right now there's some hesitancy? You know, I think we'll see it from the kind of ground up organic level right. i think on El the ground Salvador, but not from the government right yeah yeah and i think you know to some extent that's probably the way bitcoin should move anyway uh as just knowing what what it is and also the very specific context of el salvador being 
a country that relies on a U.S. dollar standard, uh, one that you know had a uh, it's much smaller of a country. Um, there's many things that made uh, El Salvador really a, a perfect place to be able to do this. That I don't that would be harder to replicate in other spots. But um, I think organic adoption will continue apace. Uh, so you've obviously spent some time down there. How much organic adoption would you say there has been in El Salvador? Because it's very mixed reporting. So when my team goes down there, um, it's definitely mixed reporting uh, every single time. Someone has a great experience. Uh, someone says, where is it? Didn't see it. Yeah. And so uh, it's hard to you know really, really put a universal uh, uh, trend on it. What is true is that everyone in the country knows about Bitcoin. Um, it is true that everyone in the country has direct access to Bitcoin and those that need it are using it. Um, those that still make use of, you know, us dollars and that's working for them still do that. And Bitcoin again, won't be a solution for everybody in the short term. Um, but, uh, in a big way, you know, it's, it's, uh, a thing that again, the infrastructure has got to keep up with it. But, you know, you talk to our friends at open node or, um, uh, river who are powering a lot, some of the infrastructure down there. And those numbers are only up and to the right, the Bitcoin beach, Galois wall, everybody is seeing up and to the right in terms of, uh, activity adoption. And, you know, those are, those are, you know, you can't, those are, those are encouraging numbers to see. I think it's just back to human nature. You know, you can know exactly what's going to happen. We're just terrible at predicting the time it's going to take or when it's going to happen. I absolutely couldn't have said it better. Yeah, I mean, people just expected that six months after El Salvador made an announcement because of the velocity of the news that all of a sudden everybody in El Salvador was going to love and be using Bitcoin. And anyone who's uh, experienced what you talked about at the very beginning with starting with Bitcoin should have known that there was going to be some major obstacles and challenges here. But it does sound like they're going to get there. All signs point to yes. And again, uh, it's not, you don't need to talk about Bitcoin, you know, uh, you know, as just a this purely top-down government project, it's it's so much more than that. Even in El Salvador, and so um, you're going to see. I know the the government has a very strong roadmap, and you're, I also know the builders there on the ground who are building kind of from the bottom up are have very exciting things coming too. And I think it's going to be the convergence of that uh, will make Bitcoin or make El Salvador a, a really truly great place to see how Bitcoin evolves and settles into the daily life of people. Is Fold available in El Salvador and other countries? Uh, so Fold, what we announced is that, uh, so we signed a global partnership deal with Visa to bring the Fold model to the globe. And what that means is both a combination of our own app that will be made available in the local app stores, but it also means that Fold may not be there as our own consumer app, but we will be powering local providers in the local countries. So, That's, I yeah. mean, that probably makes more sense to be quite, yes. to be quite honest. And that's a better expansion model, I would imagine, for you as more countries look to adopt and as more people are interested. That's exactly build, right. Build you something know, that's familiar to them. And what's uh, what Fold knows is we built in the American market with insights that we knew and a cultural milieu of that we knew that we were building in. Now, when you go to another country, I can't say I have the same understanding of how to build and what is the true value. And so what do we do? Let's partner with those people who do know the value and let's give, let them leverage the infrastructure that we've built to, to their end. So I think you're exactly right. I, I love that. So where can people, AKA follow you, but B, 
sign up, check out Fold, start earning stats. How can they do that after this conversation? Well, go go check out uh, foldapp.com. You'll see our little sat counter. You'll see everyone have fun getting rich together, stacking sats on a daily basis. Um, and some of the things we offer, debit card, merchant offers, you know, you name it. A lot of cool things coming down the pipeline. Uh, download the app. And then for me, you know, I will occasionally tweet and engage on Twitter. I'm at WLRVS. And um, yeah, give me a shout. Let me know how you're using the product and um, uh, onward. Keep stacking sets. Well, well, I find that if you're too busy to tweet all day, it's probably a good thing for your company. Yeah, I <laughs> sometimes I look around at you know some of my peers and I say I don't I don't I know you have a family I know you have how like how you're on Twitter this? Spaces for seven hours like uh, well, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I guess there's a, like, listen, that's, it's my job to talk about these yeah. things. So that might be me, yeah. but like, I, I don't understand. Like you're running people and it's, imp- it's impressive running yeah. these huge companies. Maybe they're just incredible multitaskers, but man, some of these people who are built are running companies are like prolific tweeters. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Agreed. I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but I'll be on there and I'll respond if you give me a shout. Awesome, man. Well, I look forward to following up on this conversation. I would actually love to do that in a couple months once you guys are well-established down in El Salvador so we can get a bit more, I think, accurate information on what's coming out of there. So if you'd be willing to do that, I'd love to have you back. It's a great idea. I'm very down for that. Perfect. Awesome, man. Thank you, Will, so much. All right, Scott. See ya. That's dope.